Welcome to the Broken Road Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3, Behind the Mask, Part 2. This week's episode, we're talking more about our masks. Today, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about our individual masks and how those have affected us in our lives and our, our work environments. Um, so, I guess I'll start with my mask. Mm-hmm. which is I put on like a really polished, everything's okay. It doesn't bother me. Everything internally is great. Life is wonderful kind of mask. Mm-hmm. Instead of really being raw and honest about the turmoils and the depression and all of the things that are going on inside, um, I have gotten better with it over the Mm -hmm. years, but that's really, that's my mask. Um, my main mask is the, is that one. Yeah. So I think we're both very similar in, in that case. I think that some of our upbringing and everything that we've been through where we're just, as we mentioned before, you, you, things happen in life. You just pull your socks up and you get on with it because what else can you do? Um, right. So, yeah, and it's, again, I, I know certainly in England and the, the Northeast is that working class um, uh, attitude as well is that the community does look, at, look out for each other, but also it's like these things stay behind closed doors. So you don't take that out into the world because all of us are going through stuff. So just, just get on with it. But I, I think it's particularly interesting for me and you because both of us have been through our working lives in really we've been females so minority females and really male dominated work environments um with yourself in the armed forces and then me within the the tech sector particularly like the startup tech sector where the majority uh, are, are men and they still are at the moment as well i know there's a big push to get more women in all of these industries but i from experience there's still a, a big difference certainly in kind of tech. I don't know about the armed forces, but definitely tech, there's still a big gap, I think. No, there's there's definitely still, and especially here in the US, um, there's mm-hmm. definitely been a bigger push towards allowing females into new roles in the military. Um, mm-hmm. So they opened up when I was in, you as a female, you weren't allowed to be in a combat related career field. Mm-hmm. Um, they have now allowed that to happen. So you have women stepping up and changing the game and playing vital, you know, roles in mm-hmm. combat operations, which yeah. happened before, but it wasn't under the title of a mm-hmm. combat related job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, there was slightly a different mask that I wore. It was still very much the everything's okay mask mm-hmm. um, when I was in the military. Uh, but it kind of shifted too because it was a male dominated mm-hmm. career field. I yeah. put on the mask that I was really just one of the boys mm-hmm. um, as a kind of safety and security measure so that mm-hmm. in that role, they wouldn't fully see me as a woman mm-hmm. yeah. um, because I didn't want to be preconceived that I was unable to do my job. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked really hard to ensure that I knew what my job was and I knew it well. 
Um, the same thing, like the physical fitness standards, I've really mm-hmm. pushed myself to go above and beyond where I really needed to be, mm-hmm. yeah. um, in order to impress mm-hmm. the men to make sure they understood that I was willing to do what they were willing to do, you know? So, um, as, as a track track vehicle mechanic is, is what I did in the military, mm-hmm. um, I was the only female track mechanic. I had um, a another female with me on my first deployment. She was mm-hmm. just a, a wheel vehicle mechanic, um, but we both worked on on everything. Right? There yeah. wasn't, yeah. you know, really a a de- de- delineation. I can't speak today uh, between her job and mine. We mm-hmm. all just worked together, um, and she she handled it differently. She was very much her through and through right or Mm -hmm. at least from you know what I know and and remember um very much a tomboy very you know but that same kind of thing like really wasn't the feminine role right like we really took away the feminine pieces of ourselves in Mm -hmm. order to not be hit on not be Mm -hmm. misjudged not be um underappreciated for our efforts. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being in the military and getting ready to be prepared for a relatively big promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to work harder and it frustrated and bothered me that Mm -hmm. I was getting asked all these questions by my Mm -hmm. seniors that they weren't asking the guys. Yeah. And I was asked to you know, be able to do things that they weren't asking the guys to do in order to even be considered for the promotion. And so that was really, really frustrating. Um, but again, that polished mask went on and it was, I, I'm just going to do it and I'm going to mm-hmm. prove them all wrong if they think that I can't. Um, and so that was really, really challenging to mm-hmm. not be able to be myself a hundred percent yeah. And obviously I've morphed as, as years have gone on and, and really, really dove into finding myself through mm-hmm. some other traumas that have happened in life. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like with the tech world, it's not quite as physically demanding. No, no, I, I, so obviously it's not, I mean, <laughs> it's probably the complete opposite in that, that sense. Although I have to say knowing how hard a lot of tech startup work. It's very intense in terms of the hours that you're in. I I used to work for an organization and I, I used to actually cheat because I, I, at one point I was working as a business consultant in the tech. So I had a lot of friends and that's how I got to know a lot of business owners as well that are in the early startup stage. And then they grew over the years uh, and I was still a business consultant in that world. So I was getting companies that when I met them were two people who are recent graduates in an incubation space were then growing into multi-million pound companies with staff and lots of offices and everything. And so, but there's a lot of hours and a lot of work and the hours was a badge of honor. They actually got, I, so I got to see behind the scenes as I grew as a consultant. And I, one of the things I had to assess companies on was whether they received business support and they actually got a higher score for working more hours, like over 50 hours 
um, a week. And I was like, if, if you're having to work like that regularly, that to me says there's something wrong in that business we need to look at because the majority of people cannot keep up that pace long term. It's not sustainable. But certainly then it was a lot about um, I hustle harder than you. I work harder than you. It's a very male energy driven um, pace and way of being. And it was interesting talking to one of my male friends who's in the, the tech sector saying he discussed the fact that he feels the, that world is having to embrace the feminine more. And that's the word you was feminine. He said that we're needing to embrace a more feminine way of working about being more uh, feeling into things, being more intuitive about not always fighting and pushing and, and putting all these hours in and that aggression that, that came with it. And even though I was a consultant, I, I, because me and you, people don't know this. We, we might post on our, our social media, but me and you, in, we've, we've got our party dresses on and we've got, I've got key ears, we've got unicorn wigs on because we're like, I know nobody can see us, but actually part of, for both of us was that we had to suppress that playful, colorful, feminine side of us to fit into a world with the men. And I know for you, obviously you had, you had a uniform that you were told you had to wear. Yep. I, I adopted my own uniform because I had to out of survival. Again, not literally my life in this case, although it was about keeping a roof over my head, about bringing money in. So it's a survival in that way to be taken seriously in a men's world. I remember the last time that I wore a dress as a business consultant. It was this dress that I loved. I bought it with my mom and it sounds hideous, but it was beautiful. It was like a 1950s shaped tea dress and it was cream with these coral flowers on and with a little belt and I just loved wearing it it made me feel so happy I had loads of energy wearing it I went off to this business event I walked through the dawn cloud nine and I had all these older men in gray and black suits just turned and looked at me and I literally felt myself shrink physically I was like wow okay and that's the last time I wore a dress. And I even had a, a business mentor for me when I said to him the first time I met him, I didn't jump straight into I'm a business consultant. I went through this other stuff. So he got to know me. And then he said, he actually said to me, if you'd said to me when I work first walked through this door that you were a business consultant with your pink sofa and everything else, he said, I would not have believed you. But now I've spoken to you. I can understand why you're doing this and I totally get it. But he said on first appearances, because I was very feminine and cold, he said, I, I didn't, I wouldn't have taken you seriously. I was like, wow, okay. Like I need to change because people are making assumptions not based on me and my ability, just from that first instant of seeing how I look and how my office is. And it shocked me when another friend who's a business consultant said to me, I wore a dress for the first time in years and I hadn't realized and he went, wow, you look lovely. And he went, you're wearing a dress. I was like, I do wear dresses. And he went, I've never seen you in a dress in the whole five years that I've known you. And I was like, whoa, when did I become this woman who doesn't wear a dress? Because if you ask my mum, she could not get me in trousers until I was at least eight and started playing football with the boys. I was the girl who would not wear trousers. I would just wouldn't until I was like, a dress isn't practical for football. I'll have to wear pants. But yeah, it's amazing how we change. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. And I was just like, as you're talking about going back, I'm thinking in my head, like I went through multiple phases, especially mm. in my teenage years, because I there was a lot of searching that I was doing from the loss of my mom and not knowing mm -hmm. how to grieve and not knowing yeah. who I was. Um, and so, yeah, I morphed. Like I went through a phase where I was like this goth techno mm -hmm. I wore like yeah. the big baggy jeans and the big t-shirts and then um then I you know changed that and that kind of so then I became a little bit more feminine with mm -hmm. the softer brighter colors yellow was like my favorite color yeah, um yeah. in my late teens and so lots of bright vibrant yellow in my in my clothes um maybe subtle amounts of makeup and then I joined the military and I was like, oh, can't, can't be feminine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, I literally tried to shut off the feminine side of me as much as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I shaved my head when I was deployed, yeah. um, partly out of necessity and, yeah. and ease Part of being of able to care mm -hmm. for myself in the environment that I was in, but also because I was going to be surrounded with hundreds and hundreds of men and mm -hmm. one female to, to kind of support system. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be different mm -hmm. because I was yeah. scared of what that meant. Um, and then I got out of the military and really like all of a sudden, like just fully embraced this feminine side of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And it yeah. was hair and it was makeup and nails and, and now I've kind of settled down and, and mm -hmm. I get playful sometimes and I have, you know, very feminine clothing, um, but it's not that overdramatic. I'm, I need to have, like, I don't have to wear makeup to go to the store. Yeah. I'm not mm -hmm. that woman. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I like getting my nails done and like yeah. putting my, my makeup on. I call it my face. I put my face on sometimes. Um, although not as often anymore as I mm -hmm. probably should, but you know, just how I've morphed as a person yeah. and become more comfortable in my own skin and with who I am and having to use the mask less. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's. It's an interesting concept because I think it can be really, it is really useful to have those masks sometimes, to have those personas that we can drop in and out of when we when we need to and actually draw upon them. But I think it's, um, my mom, because my mom's a teacher and this is, I, I feel that she used to say to me, she called it sparkling for the kids because she taught five-year-olds for a long time. And she always said to me that no matter what is going on in life, she said, I don't want it to affect the, the kids. Like I'm there to help them learn, to grow and to, and she, that's what she said. It's sparkling for the kids. So no matter what was going on in my own personal life, no matter how I was feeling, like I went in that classroom and I sparkle for the kids every day. Right. And that's incredible to, to sparkle every day, you know, regardless of what is going on. They, that, that is an incredible mask to put, to put on, um, you know, Monday to Friday. Uh, constantly and I, I just think wow okay but that was a mask that my mom wanted to, to use to help the people that she was meant to help and I think if our mask it's when it starts changing who we are and we I realized that part of when I got really ill 
was that I'd started suppressing part of my personality to to fit in with work and it's almost we become institutionalized and we don't realize that it's happening sometimes because it it's so subtle and it's so subconscious it's literally like for me to survive in this environment whatever that that surviving means this is what I need to do to to survive right it's been in it's been interesting moving to Cornwall because there's a lot of free spirits that are very much about this is just who I am and I'm not really bothered whether I conform to any part of society or any label really and for me I call it like my wild woman archetype was the one that was suppressed it's the one like I feel like my curly hair now maybe this is another mask but I actually feel it's part of who I really am is allowing to be seen and it's quite feral and it just does its (laughs) own thing and and my sister today went to me I was talking about um, like curls and I, I made some like organic hair gel and all sorts of stuff. And my sister was like, I sent a picture to my sister, just snapped it and went, oh, this is like, this hair gels work really well. And she went, yeah, but that's not your real hair. And I went, this is totally my real hair. This is this is what has <laughs> been underneath all the hair straightening and everything else for years. Cause I felt I had to conform as a mask to like this thing of what the beauty was at that time, which was having poker straight hair. And I just carried on with that. that. I should have shifted. You know, like the mask should have shifted. And I absolutely love your hair. I love it. And it's natural (laughs) texture and uh, the curls. It's beautiful. So yeah. And and I have, I'm jealous because I have naturally the most stick straight hair um, you could ever possibly imagine. Like I don't even have to brush my hair getting out of the shower and it lays like stick straight. Mm-hmm. um so I've always tried to like curl my hair more it's funny um, isn't it We're but it doesn't stay it. curled so I that's no. I get curly wigs um that I can play with but uh <laughs> well and so for me my mask actually led to more trauma mm-hmm. yeah totally I can see that how because I was suppressing the internal yeah the emotions so much mm-hmm. that I was unable to stop myself yeah. in a downward spiral by asking for help, mm-hmm. by showing yeah. that vulnerability yeah. that mm-hmm. I wasn't okay and everything wasn't perfect and that somewhere along the line, I needed help. Mm-hmm. And that spiraled several times in my life. Mm-hmm with different things um some maybe not as major some being relationships um and those just kind of spiraled and ended up not working Mm -hmm. um but the major one was my drinking yeah it was impossible for me in my mid-20s right after I got out of of active service in the military Mm -hmm. for me to acknowledge that I was in a full speed downward spiral in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would just show up in public at the bar with friends, whatever, and everything was great to everybody. But internally, I knew I was spiraling. I just didn't know how to stop myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thing is, as well, because we've worn that mask for so long, it, it's almost like the film The Mask, where that mask, like, although it is a mask, when you put it on, it becomes him and it's completely 
uh, become one with his body and that's what happens to some of our masks like we've had them on so long they actually feel like they become part of us and we actually don't know how to take that mask away from who we are underneath all all of that and I think the longer we wear it the more difficult it is and it's I think it's really hard for women I mean I don't know again I'm not a man so I can't speak from a male point of view but I do have male friends when I actually took that mask off when I completely I like I say I don't call it a breakdown I call it a shutdown because that's what it is it's like you shut down out of self-preservation but when I had my shutdown I started to be very honest and I removed that mask and said this is what's happening and I had so many friends that came forward privately behind the scenes who were male that were saying I've been going through something really similar but you would not know to the world because right. they're same thing they're in business or in prof- professional jobs where they're seen as having to be the leader of the business I mean I have all this staff I'm responsible for nobody's allowed to see all the turmoil or the cracks or anything like put the mask on right and it, it's I, I, I mean we can understand that but at the same time, there's how many of us are living with masks that we really need to I, remove? Honestly, I think there's out. so many people. Um, and I think for you and I, we've gotten to a point where we can acknowledge or, you know, that we we have a mask. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely gotten to the point in my life where I recognize that I'm starting to use the mask too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see the downward spiral Um, Mm -hmm. recently, you know, recognized that COVID was affecting me in a way that I hadn't anticipated. Um, Mm -hmm. there was some serious depression going on, Mm -hmm. um, some serious PTSD trauma, you know, anger issues coming out, you know? And so I I stopped myself and I said, wait, I I literally just like yelled at the kids for leaving peanut butter on the counter Mm -hmm. with the lid open and, and like screamed at them and said, oh, it is that moment in life, right? And Mm -hmm. time to reevaluate, time to talk to my doctors, get Mm -hmm. back on some medication. Um, But that's also relatively new for me too, because for the longest time, I was unwilling to accept that I needed that kind of help, even Mm -hmm. to myself. I don't need medication. I'm fine. Everything's okay. I can get Mm -hmm. through this without it. But having that medication, and, and I don't take it all the time, you know, mm-hmm. if I start feeling better and, and I'll, you know, we, I work with my doctor and I'll get off of it. So it's kind of like a cycle, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I try and get off of it and we use skills that I've learned in therapy and I'm continuing to learn in therapy mm-hmm. on how to m- manage those symptoms outside of the medication. Um, but sometimes it's okay to ask for help. And it took me a long, long time to go, it's okay to ask for help. And yes. I know from being in the male dominated industry mm-hmm. of the military, that's a huge thing. There's a campaign that happens, you know, that's here in the US mm-hmm. um, called 22 a day um, kind of thing. And it's because 22 veterans from mm-hmm. the armed forces in the US on average, commit suicide every day. That's a lot of people. The majority of those 22 are men. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that's because they can't let down that mask of Mm -hmm. everything's okay. And I need help. Yeah. Yeah. And vulnerability, people think being vulnerable 
is um, almost like a sign of weakness. And I think that's what we felt being women was almost if I'm vulnerable or more appear more vulnerable than my male counterparts, that's seen as a weakness, which in your case, it definitely was about life or death. Yeah. And it, it's okay. We can't show any vulnerability, any weakness, because that's a real, real problem. There's lives at, on the line. Right. And, but then it actually spills out into other areas of our lives where we need to be vulnerable. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and say, I, I'm drowning here. I need help. And I don't know how we, I think we don't quite know how to respond when somebody takes their mask off as well. Like I've noticed this a lot recently as I have taken that mask off and shared the story behind and actually acknowledged there was a Facebook post that popped up this week and it shocked me because it was from three years ago and I was like is that all wow I don't even recognize the person who is in that photo I that I fully had the mask on at that point and actually that photo was taken when I completely crashed out I I the amount of effort it took to get out to go on that photo shoot was insane. I can't even believe I I did it, to be honest, looking back now. But it's because I just kept pushing forward. Like, I've just got to pretend everything is okay because that's the only way I know to get through this. So put your mask on, get out down the beach, have the photo shoot and get on with business. And but, go home and 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 shell it in again. Yeah, yeah. Go, go home and completely crash out and and... I, it was I, even looking at the language, I, I can see now the, the cracks were in there, but I shared this post and I was like, I, I'm acknowledging that person with that mask and actually what was going on under the mask. And I'm not, I wasn't asking for any sympathy. I was just acknowledging that fact of, of that person where I was. And actually the incredible journey that I've, I've been on in, I didn't realize it was such a short space of time. Because I feel like I, I have completely taken that mask off now. And I'm still figuring out who I am underneath it. But I'm getting there. But then it was people drop into sympathy mode. And you think, when I take this mask off, I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. There's a difference between sympathy and empathy. And I think we, we but we just don't know how to respond right. to people being vulnerable. We drop into sympathy. I'm really, and it's not that we shouldn't show sympathy but actually somebody who's going through a lot and is fighting to keep their head above water doesn't want someone just to say like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Right. I actually, I'm a freaking warrior. Pardon my language. Yeah. <laughs> like I will fight and get through this because I have done and I, I will, well, I'll get out of this. I will. Um, so it's, in, it's interesting. We don't know how to respond to vulnerability yet as a society fully, I think. Well, and uh, not just that, but a lot of times I feel like people don't understand the masks. So for mm -hmm. me, because my mask is that very polished, everything's okay. Sometimes it comes off as very emotionless. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, part of my time in the military, learning to switch off those emotions, you can't have emotions yeah, yeah. In, in combat. Right. Yeah. Um, and when you do it, it does not end well. Mm -hmm. Um, when you get too emotional. Right. And so yeah, you try yeah. and you try and bury the emotional part of it. Um, and really rely on your fight or flight mm -hmm. and just be like, I'm just Reactive. going like, yeah. this is, mm -hmm. you know, and that's just kind of how you live. And that's really hard to adjust to when you come back mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh, Hey, be part of your family again, you know, be part of your kids yeah. lives again. And you're like, you lack this emotion because you've kind of shut it off. You've learned how to turn it off, but you haven't learned how to turn it back on again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's challenging. Right. Yeah. So I can think back 
to the very first time I remember putting on my mask Mm -hmm. and it was the day that my mom passed away. Mm -hmm. I was 14, you know, it was, she passed away really early in the morning. It was like two o'clock in the morning. And then, um, I asked to go to school that day. Wow. Because yeah. I wanted something to keep my mind Not busy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then yeah. I show up at school and everybody knows and everybody's crying and everybody's emotional. And I remember putting the mask on and going, if I yeah. let myself be emotional right now, I will break completely. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. fully full break if I let mm-hmm. it. So I put this mask on that it's going to be okay. She's in a better place. She's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but internally, I'm like, holding on, like grasping so tight to not let that slip. Yeah. Because the yeah. second I, I let it slip, I'm going to fall apart completely. Mm-hmm. And, and to a level that I've never experienced for the rest of my life, you know, to this point. Yeah. So, but again, in, in the other circumstances where I've had to be in front of people talking about some poor choices and mistakes that I've made. Mm-hmm. And because that mask was still very much a prominent thing in my life, it came off as me being not empathetic, not emotional, Mm -hmm. not regretful of some of the decisions. And that was absolutely not the case. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't know how to show it because I had worn the mask for so long. I didn't know how to be emotionally raw. Mm Mm-hmm especially yeah. to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 but again, I think if you were emotionally well to the people, we don't actually know how to respond to that as well. Like, like you say, with that, that, that trauma that you went through in that experience, which is pure raw emotion, people, they just, we just don't know how to respond. It is really, it's really challenging on, on both sides of that, that mask as well. I think it's a I think that we are starting to change our attitudes as society to start having these more open conversations around some of these subjects, such as mental health, such as trauma, PTSD, things that people have been through, grieving. This is one thing we I was in um, a female writers group and we this is what we're saying is like it's there's a lot of death around at the minute and it's touching all of our lives. Yep. And but it's not a conversation that we often have to discuss this topic. So again, we all put faces, masks on as to how we deal with this really big subject that actually all of us will experience and all of us do experience at different stages in our lives. Um, and I think opening that, that channel for conversation is that first step to help us to be able to start to remove our masks because it's about being non-judgmental as well. And it does just practice. All of us do it. I judge as well all the time because it's right. just it programmed in. Right. I, I just pro- like they say that women still judge women in business. We don't mean to like we're all for equality, but we do still have certain assumptions. Like they say a, a, ma- a man who, you know, if a woman's being assertive, she's seen as another swear word that I won't say. But if a man <laughs> is being assertive, that's just seen as a man being assertive. He's, he's a leader. He is, he's, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, um, and it, there, there's studies actually proving that we still do have those judgments in place and they're not intentional. It's just that we've been wired that way. And 
it's I think it'll take a while to shift but I think there's a lot of people that are work we are working on that as a society I, right. I really do believe that we are and I, I really hope that there is more efforts towards teaching people how to transition from yeah. having that mask on and yeah. learning how to take it off and mm -hmm. deal with the emotions in a healthy way right yeah. I mean, that took a lot of years for me and, and, and it's, it's hard because there's, there's a lot of people that aren't willing to acknowledge that they even have a mask or mm -hmm. that they have any kind of issues. You know, that's, it's very, you can only help people that really want to be helped. So hopefully yeah, having more yeah. open and honest conversations and showing that we can be vulnerable and still be strong mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully that helps other people see yeah. that it's okay to have a combination of both things. Yeah. That's completely yeah. okay. As long as you're not living life every day, all day long in this complete sense of spiraling vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. But to have, like I try and teach my kids, it's okay to be angry. It's mm -hmm. okay to be sad. It's okay to be, your emotions are never wrong, right? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to be angry and frustrated and you know, they're very natural responses. Like, and it all, it's when you go back, it's all chemistry. It's like our brains are electrical impulses. So thoughts is all electricity and, and all the, the, that firing off that then creates a chemical reaction, which is our feelings and emotions. And that's all about creating a response to take right. action based on this thought that our mind's having. So it's, it is literally, it's almost like a mechanical process that is going on. And it's a really natural thing rather than suppressing it. It's actually saying, it's acknowledging it, but um, yeah, but like I tell them that your emotions are completely okay. You are allowed yeah. to feel all of those emotions, but where it, it, the path changes is based on your reaction to those emotions. Yes. Right. Definitely. You cannot just do anything because yeah. you're mad. Yeah. So that really comes out to play with my son who is autistic and mm -hmm. those overstimulation to different sensory aspects in his life cause him to usually have a really massive frustrated or angry meltdown. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're working with him and with the therapists and everybody to, to show him the right skills. Mm -hmm. Not that he can't have those emotions, but how mm -hmm. to deal with the emotions yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So in a way, you know, our masks are the same thing. Mm -hmm. We're just hiding those meltdowns. We're, yeah, we're not I, so I, different yeah. from him. We're, yeah. but we're just shoving all of those feelings inside and not processing them the way he kind mm -hmm. of does and lets yeah. them out for the world to I, see. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. I, I remember walking. So one of the moments that I had when I was walking down to the counselor, when I, that first, it was the first lot of counseling when like I say it was the the, the shutdown counseling and I remember I because it was a 15 minute walk to the doctors because I couldn't drive because of the medication they had me on I was like I, I can't I couldn't function really and there's no way I could get behind the wheel of a car so I had this 15 minute walk to to just walking and processing life and everything that was going on and I suddenly realized because my little mind was getting so freaked out by the people in the cars it's a very busy main road 
And obviously I was at the point where I, I couldn't, I was struggling to even get out of bed, let alone be, have all these people around me seeing me. It was really weird. And my little mind was getting so freaked out that I felt really vulnerable. It was that whole thing of like, oh, is everybody watching me? It was really weird. And then I had this thing. So I was walking, I passed the supermarket and I realized, you know, if, if I turned up dressed as like Superman or a unicorn, or as a as a cat to do my weekly food shop people would like think i was really weird there goes a crazy person she's dressed as a unicorn to do her like you know to do her food shopping what's that all about but i thought you know what that crazy person is actually probably more sane than the rest of us because they're not caring about putting a mask on if i want to dress like a unicorn to do my weekly food shop, I'm going to dress like a gun on unicorn and head down the supermarket and, and have fun and laugh yeah. and just be yeah. unapologetically themselves Me. like this is i thought they're not wearing a mask and they're judged for just being them because it isn't normal and i was like okay so crazy is actually saying and normal is actually crazy because why are we so worried about putting these masks on and conforming and being afraid of being judged instead of just being who we are I was like, I don't have an answer for that. But I, the counsellor didn't either. By the time I got down and said, I just had this realisation about this. <laughs> and, and that really kind of is a great lead into next week's episode, mm-hmm. right? Which yeah. we're going to be discussing stereotypes, labels, mm-hmm. and kind of where we've been stereotyped and labeled and how we've kind of dealt with some of those things. We discussed some Mm -hmm. of those today because that had to do with the mask and being in the man's world and, Mm -hmm. you know, got stereotyped as being a woman, meaning I had to, I didn't know as much as a man or whatever, but Mm -hmm. there have been other areas in life where that has played out separately Mm -hmm. and had Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the mask, so to speak, and really just a generalization of, um, stereotypes and putting a label on everything we're put into yeah there's so many boxes yeah in life it's that's how the system works and how society works but it's going to be an interesting one yeah that this is an interesting because it is oh yeah absolutely i know we could talk about this for days yeah it's just it's just fascinating but um yeah next week is going to be these boxes it's something i have i feel really strongly about as well it's a discussion I have with a lot of friends in the creative industries as well about the boxes that we're put into because the whole people like labels and they don't like those of us who don't fit in boxes. Absolutely. So, you know, we get to dive into who fits in what box and why. Yeah. Why do we even have a box? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I have a doggy who apparently (laughs) says she does not fit into a box. So, that no boxes is what no she's boxes out of um, the mouths of babes and puppies right so mm-hmm. yeah so we'll we'll deep dive a little bit more into the stereotypes um next week because there's several things in my life that i've been stereotyped as that or mm-hmm. stereo unstereotyped is is kind of how i'll term it um mm-hmm. people look at me and don't always understand certain situations like when i tell them something that's happened in my life they don't believe it yeah like yeah you couldn't possibly be that person Mm -hmm. like why why couldn't i so we'll we'll talk about that more next week so 
super exciting, but it, today's mm -hmm. been a fun episode and we got to dress up and have a blast. We got to dress up. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. We got to wear mermaid, unicorn, kitty, everything. Everything. And I, I think you're a mermaid unicorn. Curly mermaid hair. It's beautiful. And I love it. It's, so. It is beautiful. Oh, I need a wig. <laughs> we'll get you a wig. Thank you. It needs to fit over the curls. <laughs> right? A big wig. Big wig. Yeah. We'll get you big like wig. a big beehive. 50s beehive. Is it the oh, 50s yeah. Beehive? Totally. Yeah. Yes. And that, a that's deep ass. And... Yeah. See? <laughs> tons of fun. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on another week of the Broken Road podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode, Does the Book Match the Cover?, where we discuss stereotypes and labels in today's world.